Welcome back to our books episode three, uh, where we'd like to talk about a short story or two that uh, Pablo chose this time. How are you feeling today? Feeling uh, all right. Yeah, it's it's interesting to to talk about these two stories. Especially, I'm curious to to hear what you thought about it. Yeah, I want to say also thanks because I definitely feel very uh, reinvigorated mm. as far as reading goes. I haven't been reading much. Yeah, and I'm really having fun with this. So definitely gonna record more. And some foreshadowing: you've almost finished the three body problem. <laughs> depression books. Yes, the depression books. I'm on depression book three. And you're not depressed. My depression is. <laughs> my depression level is Australia. Oh no! <laughs> the worst. That's the worst part. No, it's not the worst part. It's one of the bad parts. I have a lot of a lot of things yeah, so to say. Yeah, so we're gonna have to do we'll, we'll uh, the three body problem. So after this episode, we're planning to do that, and it might be like a lot of episodes. We'll, we're gonna keep it one hour mm. per episode. <laughs> we'll see. Hopefully, it's gonna be one hour per book. But I'm already feeling like it's not gonna happen. One hour per problem. <laughs> one hour per body. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But anyways, on this episode, we'd like to get into uh, Lovecraft, which uh, I read and forgot. Now I read it. <laughs> I know something. I feel like I've actually read it because in the past I used to read a lot of kind of stuff, and I think I mm. gave up, like especially because of the language and the style. And mm. I think I used to read it to study English because that's what I used to do a lot uh, before I spoke English well. And it really put me off because the language was difficult. Yeah, to be to be honest, I always read Lovecraft in Italian, mm. and I didn't know, which is something I found out when I recommended mm -hmm. these short stories to you, which is that Lovecraft's uh, all of his stories, all of his short stories are publicly available online yeah, for yeah. free. I knew that. Yeah. Yes, I knew that Lovecraft stuff is uh, not copyright protected, which is why you see so much mm. Cthulhu stuff for literally everything. There are so many games, and uh, but this was my first time because I I was reading the stories again after recommending them to you. It was my first time reading them in English, and oh, okay. uh, I have to admit that yeah, it was uh, quite challenging. Like to be honest, I I feel like in Italian it was it was also not easy. Like mm -hmm. the they were using like a particularly elaborate language and. By the way, do you feel like Italian is a very descriptive in Czech language? We say flowery language. I I think so. The... I think it's descriptive in a different way from English. Hmm. I'm asking because uh, Czech people are very proud of the way that poetry and like Czech literature is very descriptive in a very poetic way, and they say it's like mm. you have this word that means like flowery, and it means just like mm. it it keeps expanding and describing in all kinds of ways. It's very pretentious; right. doesn't mean anything. <laughs> but <laughs> most people in Italy think that Italian is a very good language for poetry and for songs and that, that is mainly because like Japanese Italian ends like 90, 99% of its words with vowels oh, and okay. usually it follows the one consonant one mm. vowel rule so it's extremely easy to make rhymes yeah it, it's very musical so people are very proud of that English is a better language to dry descriptions of things mm -hmm. like there are a lot of idioms and expressions which give a very dry but um, powerful explanation okay. of, of what you want to describe. Italian is more mm -hmm. verbose. Okay. 
Yeah, I'm saying this because I don't want to be horribly offensive, but I feel like <laughs> English that uh, Lovecraft uses is the language that it was before it degraded. <laughs> like, I feel like English is one of the simplest languages, but it's not because yeah. the language is simple, it's because people are so lazy and it's like the most globalized language. Yeah. And it's just this mix of cultures where the nuances and like depth slowly fades away because there is no need for it and the utility and the purpose of the language is to just have basic communication which English is just that but before that happened I think that's how the language was so I don't feel like this style <laughs> is pretentious nor bad I think it's actually kind of very imaginatively uh, nice like the descriptions especially mm. the the feelings and the, the the nightmarish like qualities which is why I think this is popular because it makes you appreciate the descriptive language. Right. I mean, from what I heard, it is considered particularly elaborate and mm-hmm. like using a lot of, um, again, complicated sounding words more yeah. than uh, more than usual. Uh, but yeah, like I understand what you mean and I think it's, it's, got, uh, it's it has fair. Its, it has its purpose, so I appreciate it. I don't mind it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Like compared to like the articles I read on a daily basis, like... It is a very different English, or even like books, modern, most modern books that I read now. So, just a very, very quick uh, summary of the like factual information about Lovecraft. He was born in 1890 and died very early when he was 46 years old in 1947 because of cancer. And uh, he had a very strange life that I read about. That uh, he was quite in a wealthy family, and then after his parents died, he had to live in a, in very poor conditions and his mental state or uh, just the quality of life deteriorated and then that might be why in all his photos he looks so abysmally depressed <laughs> <laughs> do you feel um, like he looks like that? <laughs> I, I read a lot of things about his uh, his life mm. and kind of like mental condition because many people think like he was suffering from different mental problems. Uh, some people say he was asexual. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people say he was like latently homosexual. Uh, because of okay. course he grew up in a very <laughs> he grew up in a very conservative environment. I see. Some people say that possibly homosexual because he never got married. Oh, he I never had any. I think he never had any relationship, according to the biographies. He definitely looks like he hasn't yeah. had a, an easy life <laughs> in his yeah. portraits and photos. Yeah. So uh, before we move on to the short stories, uh, one thing I wanted to mention is cosmicism, <laughs> uh, the philosophy, which is definitely in all of his stories and books and uh, novels and novelettes <laughs> and things like that. Which I didn't know yeah, novelettes is a word. I, I, I didn't know that either. But anyway, so the philosophy of cosmicism is that there is no recognizable Mm. divine presence, no God, and humans are insignificant to the larger scheme of uh, like the existence in the universe and the galaxy and everything, which is very realistic. But he takes it a step further and just focuses on the dread of this realization. Which, by the way, is a very important thing. In the second book of the Three Body okay. Problems. <laughs> oh my God, not in yes. Dune, not in Dune. But <laughs> I was just yeah. about to say, we haven't referenced but, Dune. But it is, it is very, very relevant in, uh, 
in the second uh, book of the three-body problem. But the the reason mm-hmm. why I'm saying this, aside for the jokes, is because I think this is a very important theme related to the second book. Uh, sorry, the second book. Sorry, the second story that we are going to talk about. And mm. um, the okay. scientific environment in which it was, like, uh, Lovecraft was writing. Because, as we mentioned, like, mm-hmm. uh, he was writing in the earlier... Uh, 20th century so this was around the time when um, Einstein relativity theory came out and uh, you know there were a lot Mm -hmm. of big um, discoveries related to space and the two fundamental theories which completely changed physics and the way we see reality which are the relativity theory and the quantum theory by Heisenberg Um, which again they are both referenced in the second story so that's just quickly what I want Mm -hmm. to mention so we picked, uh, or Pablo picked two stories. One is extremely short, so it's going to go over mm-hmm. that quickly, and then you're going to dive into the longer one. So what's the first one? Why did you choose it? Okay, so it? the first one is called The Nameless City. Uh, it's a story which was written in 1921. Okay. A story that Lovecraft uh, wrote pretty early in his career, and uh, it's considered the first one in the cosmology of Lovecraft. It's the first time the mm-hmm. Necronomicon is referenced, the first time Abdullah Azred is referenced. And uh, the reason why I chose it, and the reason why I think this is the best story to to read if you want to approach Lovecraft for the first time, or mm-hmm. as it is more probable if you heard about it in uh, other instances, like again, such as board games or things like that, and you're curious about what it actually is about... Mm-hmm. I would definitely recommend this one. Um, one reason is, of course, what you just said. It is really short. So if you don't like it, like you would have probably wasted like, I don't know, less than an hour of your time. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. okay. So the story has an extremely short, like, uh, plot. And it's just one character, no lines of dialogue, uh, just this person hmm. going through this uh, mysterious place. And uh, gradually descending both figuratively mm-hmm. and literally into things that are impossible to understand. And the reason why I think this is so descriptive and mm-hmm. so representative of what Lovecraft is about is because what is relevant is the depiction of the atmosphere and the mood and okay. the mental state of the of the characters. That mm-hmm. is what it's all about. Yeah, it's, it's the only thing that's that's there. Yes, yes. <laughs> like nothing actually happens like in the story. Yes, it shows in again in this very short story, which why I think like this is a really amazing in the way like he was able to do this in such a short, okay, such a short story, is that it really gives you this terrifying vibe of like there is this unknown, mm-hmm. which is. Not scary because it's a big monster which is coming to kill you, hmm. but just because it makes you so insignificant and so irrelevant in the face of like universe and the eons okay. of times. It's in- interesting you read so much into it. I didn't yeah. get much out of it, to be honest, <laughs> the first one. <laughs> uh, I mean, like to be honest, like I wouldn't have got this much out of it if I had read only this one. Um, okay. Like this is more of a I see, I see. general like, reflection of. It's a nice speaking to what Lovecraft can can give you as a That's reader. Yeah. If you want to just see what it's like, this is a good thing to try, and you yes. definitely know if you want to read more after this or not, because a very good sample of his style. 
So because this is a very, very simple story, uh, let's just go over the plot and also spoil it because if you want to read it, I guess stop now and read it, but uh, <laughs> there's not much to spoil. There's nothing to spoil, so <laughs> just don't worry about this one. <laughs> I, I don't want to like paint this in a bad light, but uh, <laughs> no, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so, so guys looking for Lost City, why? Not sure. Uh, I guess that's not the point. He discovers an ancient place that feels, or you know, kinds of ways is spooky, scary, creepy, eerie. And he finds all these carvings and details, and uh, he keeps he, he keeps going in, and he keeps hearing things, and seeing things, and thinking about things. And then there's a like an ominous door, or portal, or entrance, or tunnel. I'm not sure. And he feels this strange pull that's gonna suck him in. And all these descriptions of like creatures and feelings and universes and I think lizard creatures, if I don't misremember. Yes, essentially the. What he finds is Nameless City. It has a portal. At the beginning, he thinks it's like a, the tomb of this ancient mm. civilization, but it's actually, it seems like it has this portal, which may either lead like to the ghosts of this civilization or actually to this civilization. Yeah, and then does he get out or does he die? I wasn't sure. I also am not sure. I think I think he he gets out. But yeah, it's it's very very ambiguous. All the things Paul just said, I wouldn't be sure happened. I think it's deliberately described so it could only be in his head and he could mm. only imagine because he's like creeped out by the place. That's what I got. Out right, of. but th- that's that's the point to me. We don't get a, basically any information on uh, on the main character. It's supposed to be kind of like this uh, adventurous like mm-hmm. dude who's like, yeah, okay. let, let me go and explore stuff, <laughs> which again was was pretty popular like at the end of the 19th century and then the beginning I of see. the 20th century. Like people would do like would go to the Middle East in mm-hmm. search for artifacts and like lost cities. So that that is kind of like the idea. But then the twist is that instead of being like this uh, amazing discovery or even this like said discovery in the sense as in like oh yeah we found this civilization and they collapsed mm-hmm. it's more as in like oh yeah this is not cool at all it's actually a really dreadful experience because all of this time ago is actually terrifying and it shows how short the the age of men is okay <laughs> yeah yeah i don't have much uh, more to say about this it was mm. very moody it's definitely a prime time stereotypical tea and biscuit relax and read the story and mm. think about things uh, like it's not gonna <laughs> make you excited it's not gonna make you like scared it's not gonna make you really feel anything i don't think it's just gonna make you ponder about stuff a little bit and put you in kind of a mood no i agree we usually do this at the end but one quote is very famous and i've heard this before but mm. i don't know where it was from <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it is one of the most famous most famous quotes by lovecraft maybe we can both read it and then i'll decide who read it better <laughs> so the quote was this is not that which can eternal lie and with strange eons, even death may die. Okay, you read it better now. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> okay, let me try. This is not that which can eternal lie. And with strange eons, even death may die. Okay, I think it was better. So I would recommend this story if you want to just know what Lovecraft is like and spend the least amount of time possible. <laughs> That's <laughs> <Yeah>. my recommendation. <laughs> 
you, you can read this like literally in half an hour. Yeah, it's really short. I guess depending on your English skills, because it, as Philip noted down, there are some <laughs> interesting words. I wrote down a list of words because I do that while I read uh, to like keep up with my English so I can like learn some new words. I feel like it's important. <laughs> I wrote a lot of these and the story was really short. Maybe an example that's not written here, but I found it uh, fun to be reminded that queer or queeriness doesn't necessarily mean what you think it means, but it can also mean weirdness, or strangeness or unusual things. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like uh, gay, if you read gay in 19th century literature. Exactly, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's get into the second one, which I liked uh, a lot, and uh, it's much more, there's more meat to it, more horror, more plot, and I think this is definitely what I would recommend to read as a story from Lovecraft. It's called The Dreams in a Witch House, and it takes place in Arkham, which I asked Pablo, is it is it the same that Batman lives in? <laughs> well, Batman Batman lives in Gotham. Oh, sorry, I which mean, is the not he lives there, but <laughs> right, right. Uh, so yeah, there is there is the Arkham Asylum in. Oh, that's uh, what I meant. Yeah, 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 in Gotham, which is inspired by by Lovecraft. I didn't know. That's that's yeah. cool. Uh, you can find a lot of things called Arkham in different media, and also you can find a lot of Miskatonic University or Miskatonic something, which is also hmm. part of this story. Okay, this uh, story is called Dreams in a Witch House, which implies it's gonna be about dreams, and I love stories about dreams, so it was definitely good for me, and uh, I really appreciated the strange shifting from real and dream states which I wasn't aware when and how they changed, which was very original to me. Like, they didn't state when it switched to a dream or when you, he came out of the dream specifically, and it really worked in the sense that you were feeling like the character. Yes. And again, in this one also, there's barely any dialogue. Oh yeah, that's right. I didn't even think about the dialogue. There isn't yeah. any. So it is purely descriptive of what, what is happening to the character. You are seeing things through the lens of the main character for most of the story, mm -hmm. so you're not really sure what is happening. Like, I think like the problem with writing these kind of stories, and the reason why many people fail, is when they try to write about dreams, they end up writing in this very dreamy way and very confusing way, and it's just off-putting mm -hmm. because... You're reading it and you're like, uh, yeah, I can understand. Yeah, I have dreams like that, but I don't understand them and I don't understand what I'm reading now. Mm -hmm. So it, it's not really giving me much. But okay. in this case, like, it, it is really creepy because it's like those dreams, like those lucid dreams, lucid dreams where, like, it really feels like you're awake, but actually you're dreaming mm -hmm. and you can't really tell what is happening. I think that's, uh, that's a, like, the strongest point of the story. Yeah, it was really, really. Uh, cool horror story. I, li I like horror, so <laughs> it yeah. was fun for me. Uh, one, another thing they play around with is uh, math, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> which I like too. So it's another one of those like science mixing with magic and mysticism, mm -hmm. uh, Euclidean space and travel to another dimension <laughs> and open door to a different world and uh, like uh, 2D, 3D, 4D dimensional like spatial which this is going to be a discussion in the three-body <laughs> three problem, problem. Yes. that you're never going to end to talking about. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm already dreading this discussion. <laughs> I feel like... <laughs> so um, let's not get into it right now much. But no, yeah. but this is what I, what I mentioned before. So 
Um, I was doing some research before the podcast, and I was reading that actually Lovecraft, before writing this story, he was heavily inspired by a lecture he attended uh, at a university by a mathematician who was Mm -hmm. um, discussing, you know, non-Euclidean geometry and uh, hyperdimensional space, the possible existence of different universes. Because again, Mm -hmm. like at this point in time, this was the like the big scientific revolution, like the big thing that changed the way we perceive space and time. He mentions this, like this mathematician uh, whose name is Willem de Sitters. Never heard of him, to be honest. Yeah, Willem de Sitters. Yeah, I don't think he's a famous person, but he's mentioned in the in the story together with Einstein. Mm-hmm. Uh, quantum space is mentioned. That is one of those things where like, because quantum, I feel like when... Usually you mention it, it feels like something very futuri- futuristic mm-hmm. and something that like it's really new and you think about sci-fi or like super modern technology. Mm-hmm. But like the the idea of like quantum theory actually started in the in the twenties. So hmm. it is interesting. <laughs> to read yeah, yeah, definitely in, a uh, cool cool motive. Yeah, yeah, like in a story brit- written like a hundred years ago. I really appreciated the the fact that he tried to mix in this um, mathematical background into the story and not just being magic. There is a portal to another... <laughs> there is a magical <laughs> yeah, yeah. portal to another universe and yeah, mm. it's like Narnia or whatever. So before we get into the story itself, uh, I want to quickly mention that this has been adapted so other people liked it too. Uh, first of all, there was a movie called Curse of the Crimson Altar with uh, Christopher Lee and Boris Karloff, which are one of my favorite horror, old-time horror movie actors. They're both awesome. Do you know Christopher Lee? Of course. <laughs> he was Saruman, Saruman in, the... in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Lord of He's the got Rings. a heavy metal band. He yes. sings in armor and like... <laughs> he's he is awesome. Count Dooku in... Yeah, he's the, one of the best actors yeah, ever. Star Wars. And yeah. Boris Karloff also is, is great in old horror movies. So that this movie I'm like kind of interested in. It's just mm-hmm. loosely based on this. And then there is a series called Masters of Horror from 2005 where they mm-hmm. adapted this in one episode. And mm-hmm. <laughs> we're gonna talk about Jenkins later. But <laughs> <laughs> so I'll send you a picture later. It's hilarious. Have you right. seen it? I haven't. <laughs> maybe seen I can just maybe I can just send you now <laughs> since we are talking about it. But this is like amazing adaptation. There is a monster in the story, and they adapted it. So I'm gonna send Pablo the the picture. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> guess guess the character. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think this is? I, I mean, no, I understand. Like this is Brown Jenkins, but <laughs> it's also, this is amazing. It I, looks I terrible. Mean, this is so bad it's good because if I saw this I would be horrified. Yeah. But I mean <laughs> he looks like a a monkey rather than a than He a rat. looks like a rat kind of. But the, uh, does he? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean they did a horrible and awesome job at the same time to All adapt right. this. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if you're into a good horror movie from Lovecraft, I recommend it. And uh hit stop if you Want to read it? And uh, if you want to hear the details, just let's get into spoilers. Yes. Okay, so let's get into the spoilers. So I'm going to attempt to briefly sum up the, the plot. So this story is about Gilman, who's a student 
of math and uh, folklore, I think. And he moves into a new place. Uh, I'm not sure it's explained why he picked this place. I guess it's cheap and he's a student. I mean, I would do that. <laughs> I think the the underlying idea is that he wanted to stay in this house because he was so interested in this. Oh, uh... that makes sense. That makes much more sense. I just thought he was a Czech cheap person. So never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe that's also the reason, but I always I, I mean, that... I would, I would pick that just based on the price because <laughs> I, I imagine a cursed rich house is definitely a cheap place to stay at. Yeah. Uh, so the room where he's staying at is kind of a strange like layout and all the structure is kind of a surreal like like layout and uh, of course he starts to have bizarre dreams and all hell breaks loose figuratively literally and <laughs> dream like reality like and all other in all other ways and uh, there are a bunch of characters that are really cool and i think that's the main reason why this story is so popular and why there are references to it i'll, I'll attempt to pronounce and then please correct me as a fourth i don't know I, i always call it azatoth but i'm azatoth, not sure okay. I, i don't know if that's the correct pronunciation so that's so. a mindless entity which rules time and space from a throne at the center of chaos I haven't heard anything more metal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Amazing. I yeah. love it, even though I don't know what he is. I love it. Yeah, so in um, in Lovecraft's cosmology, Azatoth is the... Um, it changes from story to story, but essentially is one of the great elders, of like the elder ones, uh, kind of like Tulu. Mm. Um, but the difference with the others is that uh, Azatoth... First, it's supposed, like in some of the stories, like, such as in this one, is considered to be kind of like the ruling figure of the of the whole universe. Uh, whereas okay. like others like Tulu and so on are just like extremely powerful aliens, essentially. Mm. Okay. He, he, I don't know, it? <laughs> <laughs> Azatoth, because like all of these, like these uh, ancient ones, these older ones, elder ones, have this uh, thing where like there's leaping uh his awakening essentially means the end of the universe like when he awakes he will destroy the universe oh i didn't know yeah the, well i mean it's not in this story but in the cosmology of lovecraft that's the role of azatoth cool it's even more metal yeah it's even more metal. Yeah, exactly I, i think he devours the universe or something like that wow so then <laughs> second name <laughs> <laughs> how do you say that i don't know i always mention the uh, but <laughs> mainly because like his name is clearly inspired by egyptian like emotep or something yeah yeah emotep and like egyptian names and cats and like nyan <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe maybe you know actually lovecraft was a was a weeb and uh, he liked cats <laughs> I love these names. I like all of his names are amazing. It's ex except the most famous one, Cthulhu. I don't like the name. Like it, it's kind of like <laughs> I don't like it. But these, I think because you saw amazing. it too many times. Like if you had seen it only once, then, doesn't uh, sound cool. Like Nyarlan Thotep, Nalatotep. It's like Azathoth. It's yeah. like wow. But Cthulhu, like whatever. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, Nalatotep is uh, it's pretty cool. So I I wrote he's an alien god question mark and you so you said no he's just a messenger. Well, uh, so Nyarlathotep is strange 
character is one of the favorites among uh, people who like Lovecraft because he is this strange figure where he's not the the entity itself. Like again, he's not Azatoth, he's not Cthulhu, mm. uh, but he's the one who brings people to them. So he's, mm. he acts kind of like as the messenger of of the entity. I see. So yeah, in this case, is uh, his job in the in the story is to make people sign the the book of Azatoth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, so. What does that do? That, that's another thing that happens in the story. What does it do for him to sign this book? It's not explained. You can say that essentially it's kind of like selling your soul to, I to see. the devil. Yeah, that uh, makes like, sense. Yeah, also because like uh, some people associate a Nyarlathe figure to, to Satan mm-hmm. or like to, to a devil. So I guess you can say that. Ah, okay. Yeah, okay, that makes is, sense. is kind mm-hmm. of like making you sign, like you're selling mm-hmm. your soul or something. Because after um, the main character signs the, the book, he starts to do things which I'm not sure he was exactly exactly intending to do yeah okay of course <laughs> yeah and uh besides these two uh, ungodly gentlemen there is also a woman mm-hmm. who is described as a crone which i didn't know the word crone oh really uh, it means a thin like dying skinny woman yeah usually the the three crones which i think it's the origin of the name is um in in greek mythology uh there was the story of these three sisters Mm-hmm. who like they are in Hercules the the Disney movie so probably you've seen <laughs> seen them there um they are the ones which decide how long someone's life is so one oh, I one don't know. Uh, yeah so what they do is they sew like a thread oh i know that okay yeah yeah like the there is the youngest sister is the one which starts to sew the thread so mm. she's the one which does it when a person is born. Then there is uh, the second sister, who's the one we, who decides how long it would be. Mm-hmm. And the third one, which cuts it, which is when you die. And they okay. they ha- share one eye and one tooth. There, there was mm-hmm. something that when I was a child and I was reading <laughs> Greek mythology, I, always, I, was like, I can understand why they share one eye, but why do they share one tooth? Like, well, what's, what's the purpose? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they they share one eye and one tooth, and um, as you might know, in, in ancient Greek, Chronos, um, mm. so the crone is mm. time, so they determine the time of the life, so it's Chronos. Yeah, I think oh, that's okay. the origin of the of the word. That's a clever clever play on on words, uh, Chronos and crone. Yeah. So this crone has the best pet <laughs> in any horror story because uh, his name is Brown <laughs> Jenkin. <laughs> <laughs> That's the picture we, we looked at uh, in the adaptation. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's described as a huge red with giant fangs. Or not fangs, giant teeth. Yeah, like, uh, I don't know which which word would be more appropriate. So it's like a oversized red with a, like a strangely human-like face. Yes. Which uh, in the adaptation of the TV show, they just put a man's face on the red and they put him they gave him like imagine the vampire teeth but they put them at the very front of his mouth (laughs) (laughs) he's like grinning and he's got like whiskers (laughs) it's amazing it looks terrible yeah so all these creatures come come up appear and he keeps like shifting from dreams to reality and uh, worse and worse things start happening and he's uh, sleepwalking which another word I didn't know was Somnambulism. Somnambulism. The one <laughs> just I mean sleepwalking. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Because in Italian, it's it's basically the same. Because again, okay. it comes from Latin. Somnus means sleeping. Okay. Ambulism means moving. Oh, okay. Like ambulatory uh, is like 
Oh yeah, okay. And it's like thanks movement. for explaining. Yeah, <laughs> that you're here and not just me who I don't know anything. So yeah, eventually it just all goes really bad and he dies and uh, he's killed by Jenkin. And Jenkin literally eats his heart out. Yes, it, really... it comes out of his chest, which mm. is something I like. My brain had removed. Until I read the story again today. Oh, you read it today? <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, wow, oh, I completely forgot about this. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Best part. <laughs> yeah, it's much more gory than what I remembered. Yeah. So then the house is abandoned and nobody knows if it happened, what happened, and if it was a dream, wasn't a dream. But then the police uncovers some hidden parts of the house and they find like suspicious skeletons according to a large, uh, like red looking like skeleton that uh, clearly. It's Jenkin, and uh, yeah, so that's how the story ends. Yeah, and uh, I like because again, as I was saying at the beginning, the the narrator is very factual. So at different points, he's kind of telling you like, you know, this may all be just like this guy deluding himself and just mm-hmm. becoming more and more crazy, hmm. and uh, you know, just living out his fantasies and his dreams rather than being real. And until the end, then in the end, he's like, oh, you know, yeah, this, they find these bones. So it's kind of a proof, but it's not really a proof. Mm. And you're kind of like, eh, they are these people just like, is maybe there was just something fake or maybe it was true. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it's clearly leaning on the it was true side, but like mm-hmm. for, I guess like it's a way to show that for society at large, it, it mm-hmm. was never true. Okay. Like it was never like... um objectively true Mm -hmm. but uh, for you as the reader you have like a can you like ah yeah this is probably exactly what happened like this guy wasn't Mm -hmm. really crazy i mean he he got crazy at the end but he went he went crazy unfortunately (laughs) yep yeah i really enjoyed it i really like good horror stories i like some gore i like some like i like creatures monsters like villains and like so that i i enjoyed it but I don't really have much more to say about this other than what we said uh, about the first story the descriptions are really surreal and i like how they shift between the dreams and the creatures the monsters the the bad guys are really well fleshed out even though you don't learn about them very much but the way they are presented is very suggestively imaginative (laughs) i guess yeah and again uh in this one too i think the the fear of the unknown is like the scariest part of the of the whole story like until the end you don't really know what happened? Where did he go? What did he do? Mm. Why did they sacrifice a child? Mm. Like, what was exactly going on? You don't know anything. Yeah, that's definitely the theme. And uh, that's the feeling of dread that should make you scared. But I, I also really like the, as we said before, the mathematical part, like the more scientific mm-hmm. spin to it. Um, especially when he goes and sees things like in different dimensions. Hmm. Yeah, he sees the sophons and that's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So that's it for the short story. Before we end this episode, I learned that Paolo found out that there is also a connection with uh, Alan Moore and his comic books. Yeah, so uh, Alan Moore, to no one's surprise, I guess, really <laughs> likes Lovecraft. There was already uh, there were already a lot of connections um, in the League of the Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, if you read those, uh, I think the first two books are essentially just Lovecraft stories. Among the last things Alan Moore wrote, because he recently retired, he wrote a graphic novel called Neonomicon, and then he followed that up with uh, three volumes called Providence. 
Okay. The the two stories are connected, so the end of Providence connects back to Neonomicon. It's a little complicated because you should read Neonomicon first and then read Providence, because otherwise you can't understand the ending of Providence. But okay. the ending of Providence is actually set like the last chapter is after Neonomicon. Mm-hmm. So the the ending of Neonomicon is in the last volume of Providence. Anyway, besides that, <laughs> what is it? Uh, it's um, it's Alan Moore's attempt to connect as many as possible of uh, Lovecraft stories and uh, kind of like give it a unitary kind of like set them all in the same world. Hmm. And the interesting part is that not only connects them to the like he connects like the different stories, but he also connects them to Lovecraft's himself. So that in Providence, so uh, as as some of you may know, Providence is a city in uh, New England in uh, mm. the United States, and it's where Lovecraft lived. Okay. It was kind of like his his hometown. So Lovecraft is actually a character in Providence. So okay. he's in the story, but the monsters and things and like like uh, Brown Jenkins and so on. Mm-hmm. They are also, or like Nyarlathotep and, and so on, they are also part of the story. Oh, Essentially, okay. Lovecraft is a character in one of his own stories. Mm-hmm. It's kind of complicated to explain. I don't want to give away too much also because I think it's um, it's really interesting if someone reads it. But mm-hmm. uh, it's, I mean, I don't need to like explain why Alan Moore is like worth reading. But I think if you're interested in Lovecraft, that's an amazing way to really give it this kind of like, conclusion to to everything uh, providence like has highs and lows it, i think it's really interesting but neonomicon is really interesting and the ending of neonomicon and then the ending of providence because as i said the ending of neonomicon is at the end of providence is one of the biggest mindfucks i've ever had in, in my <laughs> life like if you read neonomicon like you read the last chapter and mm-hmm. you're like oh oh <laughs> Oh. So that's a comic book, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. These are graphic novels. But yeah, Neonomicon is really, really cool. If you have the hmm. the opportunity, I definitely recommend it. So. Okay. You could do that. Uh, maybe let us know, listeners, at mindduckjapan at gmail.com what kind of books you want to hear about in the future episodes or if you want to hear about comic books. Uh, Alan Moore is definitely one of my favorite People, celebrity, <laughs> wizard, magician, weirdos. Be- be- bearded people. <laughs> Hobo, wizard, weirdos. <laughs> Alan Moore is amazing. Yeah. Like anything I hear about him yes. is awesome. Yes, and I agree. Every time I learn more about him, <laughs> I, I, I like him more. Yes. The only thing I don't like about him is um, how much he hates any adaptation of his work. That's so funny. I mean, uh, like, I, I, I like... Because I can imagine him, like, in his cave, uh, throwing mm-hmm. curses uh, at, yep. at, you know, corporations and DC for selling his, like, his yep, characters. Yep, yep. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, just, you know, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think that by definition, it cannot be okay. Like, his whole being is against all of this. Yes. No, I agree. But he is he's a super cool guy. Yeah, uh, this was quite a short episode, so I guess we can talk a bit more about Alan Moore because I meant to ask you. Uh, obviously, we've read some comic books. It's pretty easy to get into, especially uh, because it was adapted to movies. Like I guess the most famous is Watchmen or V for Vendetta. So you, you know, well, you know him. But he also writes novels, and I think the novels 
are like the most difficult thing to read I've ever heard about. <laughs> like recently, I read a lot about the latest book he's written. It's called Jerusalem in 2016. Have you heard about that? No, I've never read any of his books. It's insane. It's like if you wanted to make up a book and write it in such a way and such length that nobody would ever be able to understand it, <laughs> it would be this. Like, what? Interesting. I was like, i was like reading about it i was like what the fuck is he doing like <laughs> well i mean like... if you read uh like league of extraordinary gentlemen i feel like the older he gets the more he likes to to make things complicated like mm-hmm. in the in the third volume of league of extraordinary gentlemen which is called mm-hmm. um the black chapter or something like that mm-hmm. like it's insane like everything about it is insane like first it's Like, uh, so many things are, like, uh, super, like, the dialogues are super long and everything. But mm-hmm. then there are certain parts, like, at one point there is a parody of the, like, 1984. And okay. so there's, like, inside the, the comic book, like, the, 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 the actual comic book, there is, like, this tiny comic book, like, comic book strip, like, made with a different paper. And, like, the, pa- the page size is very tiny. And it's kind of like this propaganda of like 1984 like like you know of the of the big brother and how you should be a good person oh, okay. under that regime or like there are some pages which are in 3D so the book actually comes <laughs> with uh, with 3D glasses because some pages are in, in a terrible 3D like it, it, it like it looks awful <laughs> because it was written like at the early 2000 so uh, like yeah that's funny yeah there are so many things which just are like oh my god And then there are certain parts which he just gives up and is like, okay, now this is not a comic book anymore and it, is, it just becomes a book. It, yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah, only written. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, uh, this is so hard to read. <laughs> it's only 10 pages. So I can't imagine reading a full book. Yeah, it's, it's so funny because he's got such good ideas and characters and everything and then he re- represents them, like, like shows them in <laughs> such difficult way yeah. to consume. Yeah, <laughs> no, so I funny. agree. <laughs> And this book, Jerusalem, is the culmination of all this. 1266 pages. And it's like stories within stories, books within books, and then all like connected. And so that's already confusing. And then it's not chronological, which is more confusing. And then the same characters like appear or reappear like in different timelines. And they are or are not the same people. And then it's like dream or not dream and reality or other dimension or parallel universe. I don't know. But then, on top of all this, he writes a whole chapter in, like, street-like English, like, British slang. And he <laughs> twisted all the words to, if you're English, so you read them, like, with English pronunciation. And it should sound like if you pronounce them in a very bad slang. <laughs> so it's not legible. Or maybe I can, like, show you a part. And you can just try to read it. <laughs> It's so funny. Just to, just for fun, I'd be very curious okay. if you can even read this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the book. How he how he writes okay, the book? So like what the fuck? <laughs> here, here, excitingly, here, excitingly, grabby, rural, lover her, lover her, clubs, <laughs> win over, win over, boy trucks. I I, yeah, so I can't you, I can't understand. So, so, so what what is the situation like? Like don't tell me what he says, but what do you think is happening? Like just I think someone the... is offending the other person. No, they're having sex. Oh, they're having sex. Okay. He says her excitingly uh, grabs her 
lover cups. Ah, right, right, like right. Lover hand, cups. Hand, okay. Love handles. One of her buttocks. <laughs> oh, sorry, cups. One of her buttocks, like like grapes. Ah, okay. <laughs> but you can't yeah. understand it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's disgusting. Yes. And it doesn't make any sense. And it's in this book that's 1400 pages. What the fuck? <laughs> so anyway, thank you for <laughs> this uh, uh, explanation. It's pretty cool about the comic book. I'm kind of interested to have a look at that. Yeah, if you have the chance, uh, please mm -hmm. please read it. I, I definitely recommend reading Neonomicon. It's pretty short. And um, the, uh, like just for the ending... Just for the ending, please read it. Mm -hmm. Okay. But again, because it's uh, like recent Alan Moore, get ready for a lot mm -hmm. of like uh, naked people and uh, <laughs> rape and other <laughs> <laughs> disgusting things. Okay. Yeah, that's Alan Moore. He doesn't give any fucks yes. about anything. So thanks a lot for listening. So next episode is going to be the first uh, part of the trilogy uh, by... Chi Chin Liu. Sounds very cute when you say it like that. <laughs> I'm not sure my Chinese <laughs> pronunciation is any good, but... So it's the uh, free body problem. It's pretty good. The connoisseur of despair was mildly disappointed that it wasn't depressing enough. <laughs> yes. I, I have I have a lot of things to say about about these books. Uh, we'll see how it goes with uh, Liu Chichin and uh, the Free Body Problem. And based on the success on fail or failure of that, we're gonna decide how long the Dune discussion is gonna be. <laughs> yes, and also I wanted to say like we went through a full episode without mentioning Dune even once. I mean, I, I said yeah. I only said that we're not <laughs> mentioning, but we we had no reference to Dune, which. Okay, I mean, that, that's a failure. Yeah, <laughs> the, uh, which I was thinking quick, about. We need to way. find we need to find something that can work. Let me think. Is there any connection? <laughs> uh, well, the only thing I can think of is the, uh, you know, the Prussians and traveling into space using yeah. spice and. It's not really. Yeah, it's not really the same though. In June, the new movie there is a rat running on the sand and. It's yes. also a rat like a Jenkins. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, thanks a lot for listening. Right, thank you. And see you in the next episode. See you. Thank you for listening. Rate us on Apple Podcasts, tell your friends, and on the next episode we'll finally going to dive in to the Remembrance of Earth's Past. I just call it the Three Body Problem Trilogy by Liu Chichin. We've planned out four episodes. First one's gonna be about the whole trilogy, no spoilers, and then each next episode for each book, full on spoilers. Mm -hmm.